Beautiful. Why don't you take your seats? Thank you, team, for leading us so beautifully. What I want to bring to us in regards to the message today is a portion of Scripture from John 15. And in this portion of Scripture, I'm going to give context to it because it's Scriptures 1 through to 17. And I'm not going to read all of them to you this morning. You can read them yourselves. But John 15 verses 1 to 17, um, basically this portion of Scripture talks about the vine. It talks about the vine, branches, and fruits. And I want to give some context to this portion of Scripture because, you know, sometimes we can take some Scriptures out of context. And it's really important when we're studying Scripture to see what was happening before, what came after, and who Jesus was talking to or who was being spoken to. Isn't that right, Babs? You would agree with that. Our theologian here would agree with that. So basically what we see here in this portion of Scripture before, we see Jesus in chapter 13. He had been in the upper room. He'd been breaking bread with His disciples and telling them of what was to come. And then in chapter 18, we see how Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, the place where He sweat drops of blood, the place where He would be betrayed, arrested, and then go on to being crucified for you and for me. And in the middle, in the middle, In chapter 15, of all the things that Jesus could have spoken to his disciples about from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what he shared. And so I figured if Jesus shared that to his disciples in this urgent, crucial time, then it would be just as well for you and I to listen to what he had to say. Amen. So let me read to you. Let me read to you. John 15 verses 1 to 8 in the NIV. It says, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 3, You are already clean because of the Word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit By itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and in if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, I mean, if we can do nothing apart from Him, then we better remain in Him and get connected to Him. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Oh my gosh, how many times have we heard the word remain in that portion of Scripture? You know, from verses 1 to 10, the word remain is used 11 times. And what God is saying here, you know, we can see from this parable that the gardener is God and God prunes us so that we will bear more fruit. We can see how the vine is Jesus. And as we stay connected to Him, He gives life to the branches, which is you and I. The fact is we're in it together. It's not one branch per vine. It's a vine and lots of branches, flaws and all, all the inconsistencies, all the madness, all doing relationships. We're in it together. 
We're in it together and we can cheer each other on and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can bear much fruit. Amen. Fruitful lives have always been God's intention for us. And He has made a plan to make it possible. And simply put, fruitful lives come from remaining connected to the vine, remaining connected to Jesus, looking to Jesus. You see, it's not the branches that produce the fruit. We bear the fruit. It's the vine that produces the fruit. And how important is it for us to stay connected if we want to have fruitful lives? I'm sure most people would put their hand up and say, I want my life to count for something. I want to make a difference. I want to be fruitful. Well, oftentimes we are so busy looking for the fruit, we have actually got our back to the very one we should be focusing on, the vine, Jesus Christ Himself. Amen. He is the source of life. And so I've got two points that I want to share. Last time I had seven, I had to cut them down. And now I've just got two, but they've all got subtitles. Seven, no, no, I'm just joking. I've got two points, two points. And you all say, yeah, yeah, right, Joyce. Yeah, we've heard that before, but really two points. Point one, remain in me. Remain in me. It's so simple. Remain in me, Jesus said. And this word remain, it can be interchanged to live, dwell in, abide. These are the words that would describe remain in me. Jesus is saying, live in me, abide in me, dwell in me. He's most definitely making a statement here. He is most definitely making a statement. You know, God is giving our souls. He's giving our souls, which is the way we think the way we feel, the, the way we make decisions. He's given our souls an opportunity to remain, to live, to abide, to dwell in Him. You know, you and I have got an address. I'm sure if somebody said, where, did you, where do you live? You would all be able to give me your address or, you know. But I want to ask you a question today. This is a reflective question for you to think about on this Mother's Day. Where does your soul live? Where does your soul live? Does it live in Him? Because it can. It can live in Him. And you know, to remain in Him is our responsibility. It's not a passive thing like sitting down, having a cup of tea. To remain is proactive. It's not passive. To remain, you know, for plants to remain with their roots going down when the storms come, the storms come, there's something that's reaching out into the soil below. Remain. This is just a start, like Mark said. This is just a start. But what are we going to do when we leave the room? What are we going to do when Monday comes, Tuesday comes, when circumstances and challenges come? What are we going to do? Are we going to remain in Him? Not in what the secular world tells us to do. And I don't, you know, I don't negate how you, we can get help. But I'm telling you right now, self-help does not seem to be helping. We need everything that heaven has to offer to get us to the other side. Amen. We need everything that heaven has to offer to live the victorious life that Jesus Christ has called us to live. It's got to be intentional. Turning our attention, our hearts towards God, saying yes to His will and to His way. Yes to His will and to His way. Amen. You know, many, many years ago, because Mark and I have been married for 28 years. Yeah, I know. 20, it's, it's, yeah, 28 years we've been married. But I remember 
Seriously, guys, let me tell you. Are you ready for a story? <laughs> let me tell you a story. So, you know, my Indian Christian mama was thinking this boy was wasting my time, right? So she's like, when is he going to ask you to marry him? When is he going to ask you to marry him? And on and on, you know, Indian mama, you know, or, you know, maybe in your culture. But seriously, it was getting too much. And I remember, though, um, at church, my dad had preached in the, and he'd preached this message saying yes to God's will and yes to God's way. And he'd asked the choir to sing a song. There was a song afterwards and it was called Yes, Lord, Yes to Your Will and to Your Way. And I was, I was, you know, with the choir up at the front there singing. And then um, my father just gave it like an altar call for people to come down who really wanted to say yes to God's will and yes to God's way. And Mark was like shot down. He was like, you know, you see in Mr. Incredibles, that little, that little kid who just runs so fast. He was always the first down at the front, hands in the air. And he was saying, yes, God, to your will and to your way. Yes, God, to your will. And God said to him, what about Joyce? And he was like, what about Joyce? He was like, I, and then, and then God, he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, um, well, I love her. He was like, yeah, yeah, I love her. Oh, I want to change the world. I want to change the world. How can I change the world for you, Jesus? And then God said, well, when are you going to ask her to marry you? He's like, marry me? Oh, I'll ask her tonight. I want to change the world. I want to change the world. And at that time, the pastor's wife was praying for me. And I was like, gosh, what is going on with this man? You know, like, and then I, I remember just think, just literally saying, well, yes, okay. I felt God say, be patient. It's been the story of my life ever since. Be patient. <laughs> be patient. <laughs> Be patient. And I was going, yes, Lord, okay, I'll be patient. I'm just going to say yes to your will and to your way. Now, I'm not saying this will turn out necessarily for you, but let me just say, I drove Mark home to his home in my little mini, dropped him off at his door. But before he got out, he turned around and said, will you marry me? But it's just, it's just a funny little story. But I always remember it when I think about saying yes to God's will and yes to God's way. Do you know what I mean? He's wants, wanting to change the world. I'm like, what's going on with this lad? But God was interested in what he needed to say to Mark and he was interested in what he needed to say to me. Amen? Amen. So there you go. You know, a little story about us. But let's get back to the message. Yes, where does your soul live, my dears? Where is your soul living right now? Yes, where is your soul living? Because it's only as we remain, live, dwell, abide in God, in His Word, in His truth, that complete freedom will be our portion. Amen. It's going to take strength. It's going to take courage. It's going to take friends cheering each other on. It's going to take being in the presence of God. It's going to take deciding to get back up again. The disciples, they were listening to this from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, and it was going to take them courage, strength, and each other, and the power of the Holy Spirit to get back up again also. So wherever you may be, today's the reset button. Today's the day you choose to get back up, get back up, and move forward. Amen. Amen. To remain in Christ means to remain in His Word. Do you know who you are in Christ Jesus? Do you know that Christ was made sin and separated from God so that in Him, you and I could be made righteous, that we could come boldly before the throne room of grace as sons and daughters who've been adopted into the heavenly family? Do you know that Christ, Christ was able to say that for the joy set before Him, He would endure the cross? That's what He said. And so for the joy that was set before him, he was punished so that you and I could be forgiven. 
He was cursed so that in him you and I could be blessed. He was wounded so that in him you and I could be healthy and whole, spirit, soul, and body. He took our shame. He took our shame so that we can receive his goodness, his mercy, his kindness, his unconditional love and grace. Amen. This is who you are in Christ Jesus. This is what you get to discover when you remain in him. He was rejected so that we could be forever loved and accepted. How glorious, how glorious is it to remain in Christ? Can you see how living in Christ, remaining in him, is a safe life-giving place for you and a safe life-giving place for many others? Amen? So point two. Everybody say point two. It says that we are to remain. As you read down the portion of Scripture, it says that we are to remain in His love. And it says this nine times in John 15, that we are to remain in Christ's love. And 1 John 4 verses 9 to 10 in the message says, This is how God showed His love for us. God sent His only Son into the world so we might live through Him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage our sins have done to our relationship with God. You know, it cost God everything to send Jesus. He sent the finest that heaven had to give. He loved us so much, Jesus, that He said yes. And he chose to come to the earth that he created to live here a perfect, pure life and then to go to the cross and suffer the the most horrific death so that you and I could come into a relationship and a connection with his Father, who is now our Father, making us joint heirs with Jesus. Isn't that amazing that we have everything that Jesus has We now have because we are joint heirs with Him. I am blown away, blown away by the love of our Heavenly Father. You know, there's nothing you could do to cause Him to love you more. And there's nothing that you could do to cause Him to love you less. And this is not just for you. This is for all of humanity. He is incredible. You know, I just want to read Ephesians 3 verse 17 to 19. But... I just want to share another wee story about my father. My father passed away quite a few years ago. And I remember when he got the diagnosis of cancer and we all went over, I remember God very clearly speaking to my troubled heart and just saying to me, my love for your father is not based on whether I raise him up. My love for your father was was proven 2,000 years ago when my son went to Calvary when my son conquered hell, death, and the grave. And it's the same for you, whatever you may be going through. God getting you out of that. Mark asking me to marry him that day when I was saying, okay, I'll be patient. And when God was saying, ask her, and he was like, okay, I'll do that. No, 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 that's not God's love for me. It's not proven there. 
God's love for me was proven 2,000 years ago. And it's the same for you. It's the same for the ones you are believing for, your loved ones. Amen. It is the same. Listen to this beautiful scripture in Ephesians 3, verses 17 to 19. It says, I pray that Christ will live in your hearts because of your faith. I pray that your life will be strong in love and be built on love. And I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love. How wide, how long, how high and how deep that love is. Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know. I pray that you will be able to know that love. Then you can be filled with everything God has for you. You know, when we have a revelation of the love of God, it changes everything. It changes how we think, how we feel. It changes the decisions that we make. It changes how we pray. It changes how we face challenges. It changes what we speak because we're coming from this place, not searching for love, but from a foundation built on love. It changes everything. Amen. Amen. So as I just bring this message to a close and before the team lead us in another beautiful song, I just want to share very quickly because it is the most simplest of messages. I'm a mother, I need to be simple, right? It's so simple. How can we intentionally remain in His love? Well, let me tell you, we remain in God. God is love. He doesn't have a part of it. He is love. And when we look to Jesus, we actually see the nature and character of God Himself. And how do we look to Jesus? Through His Word. The Word is flesh. In John, it says, the flesh, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The Word of God, we have it. Is it dusty? Where is it, the Word? Where is your soul abiding in? Is it in the Word of God? We cannot get away with it. And why would we want to get away with doing something else? This is life-giving. This is truth. This is rich. This is the source of life. And you and I have it. You and I have the opportunity, regardless of circumstances that have shaped us today, we have the opportunity to stand firm on the truth of God's Word and actually see Him take us and lead us to green pastures, lead us to better days and actually enable us to bear fruit, much fruit that will remain. In Jesus' Name, Amen, 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 Amen. Amen.